0: It's so good to be back in Dunedin. I think this is my third time and uh, over the years have appreciated fellowship with Pastor Willie and Desiree, watch God's grace in their life. And, and I know the, na- the name of the city comes from a, a Scottish Gaelic origin and uh, it has a connection to Edinburgh. And I just got thinking about those colonists when they came here. They had a vision for the city because they, they carried something of a place they had come to. And they, they knew what great looked like. Amen. They, they had a vision for great. And they said, we want, it, we want it to be like that. We've seen a pattern that we feel like can be replicated because it's great. And they had a vision in their heart to do something here that was on the scale of what they knew to be great. And I, I think about... Why you guys have made such great success in early, at an early age in ministry. And you know, their first assignment as pastors, well, he had never preached a sermon before and shows up in Mastodon and was given the role to lead that church. That's pretty much unheard of in most movements. I enter, I'm on three different networks in different parts of the world and get to see lots of ministry in lots of places. But the reason that's possible is because he carried in his heart, he knew what great looked like. Yeah. Amen. Yeah and there's a faith in them both to implement that and so I honor that here and it excited to be here. I had another message plan I'm going to change that. Is that okay? I I feel like um you know perf- oh, I'm going to set my timer first. P- you know, I know it's cooler to preach off an iPad, sorry, but my my iPad and my computer weren't talking this morning. They they usually I prepare on one thing transfer over. It wouldn't matter now cuz we're not using that sermon. But uh, but I uh, I usually do that. It's easier to move around. But anyway, so sorry. This looks old to the young people. Hey. They, have, they have, my two components had jet lag, so they wouldn't talk. And we're all good. But I don't think you knew this, uh, Willie. That we so this last week I got invited to be part of the NLT, and we were here in the church and had a a great meeting with pastors and leaders. But it might have been the next stop. It might have been the stop after it all kind of ran together. It was a very busy week. But the passage of Scripture, well, let me back up and say this. So Steve Graham, who's a genius, has been called upon by the NLT to bring that kind of the anchor message, the the theme message to us when we get together in the NLT meetings. And then um, Sheridan brings something inspirational and practical to help just like pastors regarding his journey and then we have the lunch break. And then Desiree, in her genius, presents the, the documents that the, the um, Acts churches have adopted in this new move. And uh, then there's a Q&A time. And then they, the, Bruce calls me up and says he wants me to get something inspirational for that region. And then minister to people individually as a prophet. Well, it was in the second or third location the passage of scripture that the Lord gave me was the passage that you just shared. And He told me, He goes, There's an anointing for new. Not just change, but there's an anointing for new. And the scripture that we shared was that scripture that you shared when we opened today on 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to revisit some of those points because it's super important for where we are and, and I know for us personally my church is 12 years old and through God's grace we planted that with a team of people it came to you know it was probably last year and I began to think on the you know where where do you want this to go God you know measuring my own Paul or excuse me David talked about you know numbering your days and thinking about this is where we've come, and this is what we're sensing, and how do you shift something to the next level? And we had been walking, Bruce and I had been walking together since 2002, and I was very aware of equippers and acts, and a lot of the things that happened in your new manual were things that we implemented when we organized our church, and there was an agreement, but it was actually in the summit when he came in August, that God just made it clear your way forward is to actually take your church and make it an equippers' church and turn lead pastoring over to your son. And I've got a new role for you. How many know that's change? Yeah. Amen. But but I'm not just after change, I'm after new. And and I felt what that this passage of scripture that Pastor Will shared from. Let's look at that again. It's in Second Corinthians chapter three. And in verse seven. It says, but if the ministry I'm reading from New King James, it says, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses. Second Corinthians three, I'm actually now finishing verse seven steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For what if what was passing away was glorious? What remains is much more glorious. Now, that's an amazing passage of Scripture, especially if you were Jew and especially if you were a Pharisee. Because everything that they knew about the glory of God, and frankly for most Christians, what we know about the glory of God is rooted in this story of Moses. We think about him going to the mountain, and and if you knew this story or know this story, you remember that when God called him up, first he visits him in the burning bush, and then he calls him up to the mountain, and he gives him instructions. He says, you're not just coming by yourself. At first, you'll come by yourself, but I want the whole nation to approach this. I want them to see what this is about. And, and so it said that the mountain, that smoke filled the mountain, and the mountain shook. And there was a trumpet sound that everybody that heard it trembled. And there was so, such fear they wouldn't even touch the mountain. And actually, they were given instructions. You have to sanctify yourself to even come towards this thing that God's about to do. And so it was an amazing scene. It was, it was something of a, a spectacle. It would be like, not even compared to, but if you go to some places, we have Yellowstone National Park, and Old Faithful, this geyser goes off. And when this geyser goes off, it shoots super high in the air, and there's a mist that covers, and there's always this, people go, ah, there's a response, because it's a powerful demonstration of nature. Or you go stand in front of a, a majestic waterfall, and, and you can actually just smell the change in the air and you see the power of that and, and realize water, what it can do to reshaping a rock over time. It's an amazing, powerful thing. But nothing to be compared with what God did before the nation Israel. And then he spoke and everything shook and they freaked out and they said, Moses, we'll do whatever he tells us to do, but you go before God. We don't want anything to do with that. That's just too overwhelming. And that, in Scripture, was referred to the glory of God came and put on that kind of spectacle. And you read about the glory of God in other places. You read about it in in Ezekiel's temple. When he, he described the building of God, and he, he in great detail said this was one cubit by two cubits by three cubits, and that was four cubits, and he just in great, great detail. Then he talked how they were arranged, and, and he, he was shown by the Spirit. He went through the whole thing. He saw the inner chambers, the outer chambers, and he said all of that. At the very end, he saw the, the Messiah coming through the eastern gate, and the glory filled the temple. And he described it in this sense that everything that I saw in terms of just the structure wasn't compared to the glory that came in the door. It just filled the whole place. And then you see in Solomon when his temple was finished and the glory of God came in. And and we know by description as well as by history that there had never been a building built like that. It was the most phenomenal, incredible building that humankind had ever seen. And Solomon finishes it, and then God comes in in his glory and levels the priests. And they couldn't even minister because of something of God's glory. The weight of his presence leveled them. Paul knew all of those stories. And he said, that glory is not to be compared to the glory that's being revealed in the sons of God. He said, that glory isn't even on the same level of this he said that glory is the glory of condemnation not amazing and then he contrasts it to this thing called the glory of righteousness which far exceeds any kind of spectacle that could be created or has been ever created on planet earth and you think about what could he be saying when he's making a comparison between that glory and this glory like what is this glory and what is it that could not only be held up to, but it trumps it. It, it puts it in the shadow. In other words, he was just saying, you know, compared to what God has, is doing and is about to do, that isn't even in comparison. But for you and I, the visual is a lot stronger with that than most of us realize about what God's doing in us and through us right now. And it's connected to the idea of righteousness. The ministry of righteousness. It exceeds much more in glory. Think, well, so so what's glorious? Well, instead of a mountain where God can put his presence on, now he has a whole people. Instead of a temple, now he's had millions of temples. And instead of filling one place, now he can fill multitudes by his presence. And instead of a one time a year, there's this festival called the Feast of Atonement where the temple gets cleansed and the people get cleansed on an annual basis. Now he's got millions of people that can walk in an abiding presence that they are cleansed every day. That the atonement has been made once and for all in Christ. Sins have been forgiven. And in an abiding consciousness of what Jesus has already done. Now these millions of temples can walk about feeling cleansed all the time. And carrying the presence of God all the time. That's much more glorious. Amen. And to us, because we're more familiar with the earthen vessel. And we don't really look at the treasure as often as we should. We get robbed of the fact that this glory, this story, is far greater than anything that's ever been walked out in history before. And when he looks at an individual person, he said the glory on that individual is greater than it was on Solomon's temple. Matter of fact, if you asked heaven, they would say that much more was invested of the adornment of a single life than was on that whole building. That was 30 stories tall and could be seen from miles around. And you think about what went into it. You think about all of the the artisans that came and worked. And the fabrication and the skill and the craftsmanship. And it talked about even in the tabernacle that the spirit of God actually came and anointed people to work on that. And stirred up their spirit. And there's a whole story about how they crafted into this story that was the story of God's glory. But he would look at us and said, to the least, my glory, my craftsmanship, the work that I've done in an individual life is greater than that whole thing. Because he took us lost, dead in sin, distant from him carrying a corrupted DNA, carrying a bloodline that had been perverted, with all kinds of ancestral weirdness and defilement that came and passed on through to us. And now we're barely living creatures on this planet, lost in darkness, can't find our way. And the glory of God came and touched us. And he called us a new creation. If any man or woman be in Christ, they're a new creation Old things pass away. Behold, all things become not changed, but new. And I think in some ways that we've sold out for change, but we haven't sold out for new. But new is new. Recently, my, my son-in-law, uh, my daughter got married. Um, I have three children. All are married. The, the middle daughter got married last year. And uh, they live in San Francisco, And San Francisco is a wonderful city, but there's nowhere to park. Absolutely zero. I mean, there's very expensive parking garages, but they have one parking space with their unit. And the other one, my son-in-law had to find roaming the streets where to park, and he had to keep track of the signs because of street cleaning and other specialties. So after being impounded twice and a second $500 charge, He asked me, would you like to buy my BMW from me very cheap? Well, I was driving a newer Chrysler convertible, but I always liked that car. And it had low miles. It was really fun to drive. I said, yeah, I want to buy your car. So I sold mine, and I, I got that. And it was a change. I had a convertible. This is a convertible. It was a change. It was a good change. It's a lot more fun to drive. But my son recently bought a new car. It's got more glory on it than my used car. New new has more glory than used. Even though it's change, new has more glory. And I think for us that in the things of God, that often we settle for change, but we're not asking for new. I'm not talking about things now. Now I'm talking about heart. I'm talking about attitude. I'm talking about things that come that are more glorious than what we're walking in. There's things that are of in the depths of God's love, in the the capacity of faith, in our ability to just reflect Him and to represent His heart, we talk about we're being changed. It's true. From glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord, it says in Scripture. But the promise we have that we have become new creations. And there's still new left for us. Amen? Amen. There's still, it doesn't matter what age you are in the room. There's still new left for you. That's a great little poem right there. There's new left for you. You can think of that. But there's new. There's things that are new. His mercies are new every morning. He daily loads us with benefits. They're new if you think about that. And so when life takes on new, there's a new excitement. Amen. Amen. There's a a refreshment that comes when you realize there's still surprises for us in God's heart and in His economy. Amen? So I just want to release that over us today. An anointing for new things. An anointing for new adventure. New capacity. There's some things that have died that need to become made new again. Amen? Cool. You know, the, the original message that I was going to share was let me just read the one scripture, and then we'll, we'll talk about it for a second and hopefully tie it together. Who knows? You know, there was, uh, how many remember the story of Nicodemus? So he was watching Jesus, and he was observing Jesus, and uh, he saw the miracles and signs and wonders that he did. And, and Nicodemus was a teacher of the law, highly respected So he couldn't really affirm Jesus during the day because his friends would have said, ah, you're one of them, and it would have created all kinds of problems. So he came to him at night, and he has this little discord with him. And Jesus, in John 3, 3, he says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be be born? Jesus answered most assuredly I say to you unless one is born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven that which is born of flesh is flesh that which is born of spirit is spirit do not marvel that I said to you you must be born again the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes so is everyone who was born of the spirit. And Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Now, in that in that discourse, we we, how many are familiar with the term born again? Most everybody, when we're born again, that's that new creation thing he promised this. It's I guess you'd find this formula or this ingredient in Ezekiel. He said, this is what will happen in this covenant that I'm gonna make, I'll take people and I'll give them a new heart. Take out the stony heart, I'll put in a new heart. And he goes, and then I'll give them a new spirit, and then I'll put my spirit in them. And then they're gonna walk in my ways. That's a, the short version of that. So that is becoming new. Takes out the old heart gives us a new heart, one that's pliable, one that's soft, one that can feel again. Where all the all the emotional hardness and things that got driven out of us through all the stuff that comes from life and the lack of affirmation and all. he he takes out that heart and he puts in a new heart. And then he said, then I'll put my give him a new spirit and then I'll put my spirit in him. That's new. That that puts us in a place that no normal human being has. Now we're alive unto God and we can see a heavenly perspective. That's what he said to Nicodemus. This is what's going to happen. You're going to be made new in this experience and now you're able to perceive the kingdom of heaven. But he goes on and he said, it's going to be like this, where the wind blows just as it wishes and you hear the sound, but it cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. In the beginning of 2015, we had gone through some stuff in the church. Like people had taken hits and there was things going on. I just felt like, hey, we needed our hope level lifted up. How many know hope's important? Yeah, hope's super important. Hope is the anchor to your soul. Faith gives substance to the things that are hoped for. So your faith doesn't super work well unless there's hope abiding. So I said, okay, so... I just felt in God, we're going to make the theme for this year, A Train Called Hope. And I began to use the analogy of being on a train and, and you know, the, the tracks. And we said that one track is for this, the other track for that. And, and that we're riding this train together and there's different stations and at every station the scene real change and it's awesome. God's got this path for us, this journey together. So get on the train called hope. In some ways... That is hopeful, that life could be that simple, right? You could get on a train, it would stay on tracks, you could look at the chart, it's predictable what station's going to be, the next place you stop, wouldn't that be wonderful? And it was a good message and it developed a good theme, but actually Jesus said in that passage that when you're born again and you come into this new experience, it's really not a train ride, it's more of a sailboat ride. And it's not really dependent on these tracks and just staying fixed to the tracks. It's really not linear, and you can't really tell about the next station and the next station because you're sort of subject to the way the wind blows, and it sort of doesn't explain itself. Amen? And Nicodemus, your mind is sort of like a conductor. He wants things linear. You've learned systematic theology and line upon line, precept upon precept. Everything for you runs along a particular line. But it's not that way in the kingdom of heaven. The wind blows. And when you're born of the Spirit, you have this new orientation that you are willing to go where the wind carries you. And in order to come into new, there's this attitude that I've got to be willing to just kind of put up my sail and, and allow things to, be moved, to move me. I have to be able to be moved by God. How many ever been in a sailboat before? Yeah, it's, it's, it's different, isn't it? Because the winds shift. <laughs> And the winds change it. And you really can go into the wind, but you have to just tack. You have to go way out and you have to go to another side and another side. And most when we were raised, we raised by the water down in Southern California. We had boats our whole life. But they were always motorboats. Motorboats are better. (laughs) because <laughs> they're predictable. You can get somewhere fast. And when you want to go there, you go fishing, you pick a, a GPS point, and you can get to that place. But, but sailboats are different. And about my, I have an identical twin brother who's also a pastor. And we're, we're probably about 14. I, it was somewhere 13 and 14. And my cousin, who was our same age, had a neighbor who was selling a little sailboat. And so we decided to pool our money together. And Mike and I, we bought the sailboat. And uh, it would fit on top of my dad's car, and he'd take us down to the bay, and he'd drop us off. And we'd never had sailing lessons, but we thought, hey, we've been around boats our whole life. We'll figure this out. Well, little did we know that the keel was, the rest of the boat was pretty normal. Like, it was called a sabbat. It was made by a manufacturer, but this keel was, like, made out of a piece of plywood, and somebody sort of faked it. And it, it was designed just to drop off the side into the water, and... And we we got the sail up the first time, and we realized that the the keel was too small to keep the boat from not getting pushed sideways, even in the wind. And the rudder was held on like probably five screws too few, and so it's a wiggly kind of a deal, and the sail, you know, was a normal sail, but the keel was really weak. And long story short, when my dad came back for us, he couldn't find us, because we were way, way, way downwind, (laughs) And that's how it is, is that when, you're, when the wind's blowing and uh, you're, you realize that sometimes you can fight it, if the boat's what rightly equipped, most of the time you just have to turn and go with the wind. And after that, we'd come and we just made that decision. Drop us off here, pick us up there. Because when all things done, we're just going to turn the boat, put up the sail, relax, and get carried to where it takes us. And you know that idea in embracing God and a willingness to sail towards the new, to sail towards this ship, there has to be that willingness in a heart to just say, God, the way your wind blows, you said that's how it's going to be. Everyone born of the Spirit, that we we put up our sail, we let you move us, we you let you carry us to that place. Amen. There's, there's more to be said about that, but I think I'm going to do that next service. I think right now let's just... Just turn our hearts towards God. Just let him put some new thoughts into us. The idea about his glory. The idea of his glory. Wow, that he would burn a whole mountain. (laughs) There's an archaeologist that found that site, did a documentary on Mount Sinai. It's not in the same position. it's not in the same place that all the tour buses go to. It's in another place. And the, the, the altar, the calf, the altar of the calf, that's still there, and the water that came out of the rock and smoothed the rock, all those things are still there. It's an amazing, amazing attraction. But you think about Paul, that's, he said that thing doesn't compare to the glory of righteousness that he wants to put on a people of God. So wherever you're here this morning and the idea of righteousness means to be in right standing with God and in our understanding it's because of what Jesus did it's not because of what you and I do. That righteousness is a gift a free gift and God wants to pour his glory in a new way Into hearts and lives today. I'm going to come down that way. He wants to. Give us a sense. Of new. And give us a sense. Of grandness. That comes by him touching a heart. And him touching a life. So Lord we open ourselves right now to you. Thank you for new expressions of your glory. Thank you for a freshness. Thank you, Father. Something new. Something new. Something that's more glorious than any prior thing. And we thank you for that. Some people are just tired of their own mind. That's where depression settles. You get tired of your own mind. It kind of just keeps looping back to the same thoughts. It's like you can distract yourself with news, a sporting event. You can distract yourself with some sort of activity. But actually, then it becomes, you become driven about just distracting yourself. Because if you don't distract yourself, you find that you're there with just the same old you and the same old mind patterns. And then that's, that's kind of where we would find that area called depression. But I just sense today that God's going to do something new. He's breaking into that. And there's an excitement. This, this experience, this born-again experience, it starts with a seed that he puts in your heart. This, this experience of new, it starts with something that comes like, we, he's called the father of lights from whom every good and perfect gift comes down. He just puts a new light in your heart. And from that begins to grow new thoughts and a new perspective. I just know that that, that process is connected to and the idea of righteousness. Righteousness so i just declare again that we are new creations jesus cleansed us from all that stuff that still kind of sometimes speaks from outside or inside the closet all that stuff has been washed in his blood once and for all might come back into your memory, but it doesn't his. It's cleansed once and for all. You've been made righteous through one sacrifice offered once, but it abides. It's an abiding sacrifice as you just put faith in what he has done, not what he's going to do, but what he has done. And from that, this idea of righteousness comes, and with that, there's a new sense of glory. You are new. And you are loved. You are cared for. You are in his heart. You're in his mind. And he thinks you're more wonderful than Solomon's temple. And he's adorned you with more glory than that whole amazing building. We just thank you, Father. In Jesus' name for that reality. For that reality, God. Thank you for that reality. Praise you. Spirit of grace, you're just working things new. Working things new. Working things new. Man of God. Mm. Mm. A fresh wind of the Spirit. I think about Ezekiel and I think about when he called for the winds and he said prophesy from the winds speak to what is dead and it'll rise up it'll take on new flesh it'll take on new sinews just hear him say that just prophesy and see new come prophesy to what seems dead prophesy to what seems old and new will come from the four winds I said son you've seen a lot and I have taken you from glory to glory I've taken you from faith to faith, but I kept you for this season, and now you're in the middle of it, and you get to steward it, and there is still new. I bless him, Father, in Jesus' name. A sense of the healing power of God right now, just coming from the top of your head. Father, I thank you for the healing power of God, bringing new in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, bless you, sir. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Are you husband and wife? No. Friends, it's worth asking. What are you? Partners. Awesome. What's your name? Chris and Anita. Father, thank you for them. I just thank you for a working of your grace in a powerful way. A powerful way. It's just like sun breaking through clouds, bringing an illumination, changing the colors of things, God, and just bringing a vibrancy. I just thank you for that life, taking on new color, taking on new brightness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for a work of your grace in Jesus' name. It's like Nicodemus is when when he, he said, how can these things be? But... Later on, we knew by history he became a follower of Jesus somewhere. His eyes got touched. Somewhere what he thought was impossible happened to him. And I just sensed that. God's saying that you're on a journey. And when you look into other lives and you look at other people and you kind of inspect that and say, Well, they're there and I'm here. But what he's saying is, what happened to them is happening to you. And there's an illumination and a glory and a quickening, and awakening. We thank you for it, God. A far more exceeding glory. In Jesus' name, bless our Lord. Thank you for them. Thank you so much. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Spiritual dads in the back. Thank you, God. Father, we bless John. Thank you for his life, God. Thank you for glory. Bible talks about gray hair as our glory. So you're carrying a lot of gray hair glory. Amen, that's a good thing. You're touched already. You a, you're carrying a sign of God's glory. And we thank you for filling his heart with glory. Thank you for a weight of your presence. Just sense the newness is sort of like honey. It's just going to run over places of your heart, places of memory. It's like honey. It's going to cover and bring a sweetness and change those places that honey is a more dominant flavor than even lemon or anything else. Like honey, the, the sweetness of honey will overshadow anything that's sour. And I just sense that, John, honey. The honey of newness, the honey of God's glory is prevailing. And it's just going to, like, honey, run over your heart, run over your mind. Spring a new sweetness. It's, it's awesome. Bless you, my friend. Thank you, Lord. God, we give you praise. Thank you for your wonderful goodness. Thank you for these precious people in Jesus' name. What's your name? Gareth. Gareth. Oh yeah yeah how are you good to see you yeah so hi Deidre Deidre. all right can take hands now she wasn't here then was she okay yeah cool father thank you we bless them in Jesus name this must be the double portion God for your goodness we thank you right now in Jesus name that you positioned them and strengthened them and there is a grace that's not just a normal believer's grace. There's a, a grace to respond to a hot heavenly call. There is, Paul, Paul talks about that we minister according to the grace. And then he begins to talk about spiritual giftings, office giftings. So it's not just a, a glory and a grace for new, but it's a glory and a grace to function in a higher level, in a higher place, for the sake of the kingdom. And it's like, the times come, I just see an open door. I see him like opening. It's more than a door. It doesn't look like an interior door. It looks like a gate. And it's a gate that is actually it's bigger than a door. It represents not just something inside the house, but it represents something out of the house too. Like for the church, but beyond something that connects. This looks like community. So I believe there's a, a regional calling, a calling to be uh, in and about the fairs of the kingdom and about the fairs of the network and, and to bless the house, but also bless the community. That it's a, it's a bigger grace that God's releasing to you both. So, Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for prophetic eyes. I just think about the message Steve gave us about soaring. I just see that. I really it felt to me like you took that one to heart, that that's still inspiring you today. And now you've joined hands. You're soaring together. So I pray this is a time of vision. And then there's that you've done the work of the ox that's still in place and you still will. But I just sense it's an eagle time, a visionary time for both of you to, to look and to dream and talk together. And you'll find out in your conversation that you find that common thing. or Whatever two agree on earth is touching anything, it's done for them. That's how heaven gets brought to earth. Two people agree. One puts a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand. It's being multiplied in you, through you, for a pattern to the church. Thank you, Father. Bless you, God, in Jesus' name.